We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. I try as much as I can to personalize the professional development my teachers get. Nothing drives me more crazy than all or one size fits all PD because that's not what we would would, would want to do with kids. We would never we want to move away from that. So I try to do that with my staff and say, you know, all, all of my staff have different needs and different interests and passions. What do you want to learn about this year? What do you want to pursue? And and what does that look like for you? Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Christopher Dodge is the lead learner of the Orange Elementary Schools, a pre-K to 6 school district in central western Massachusetts. Christopher has served the community of Orange for seven years. In that time, the schools have worked to create collaborative structures and systems that bring stakeholder voice into school-level decision-making, as well as strategies that promote student success and achievement. Orange Elementary utilizes these systems to promote a vision of serving the whole child, ensuring that students' social, emotional, and academic needs are being met. Aside from his role as principal, Christopher serves on DESE's Principal Teacher Advisory Cabinet. He's a passionate about supporting and mentoring teachers and leaders, serving as a consultant with Seaside Educational Consultants and as an adjunct instructor at Assumption University in Worcester, Mass. And boy, I have to tell you, I can't be more excited to talk to Chris today on the podcast. I'm I'm super excited that he's a guest. Uh, He and I have met up quite a few times at different conferences and stuff like that. You're going to, you're going to hear some fantastic things. He's, he's one in a million. So welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dr. Jones. It's nice to hear, hear from you and see you again. It's been a while. Um, and just even before we get into this, we've already gone off on a few things already that I'm going <laughs> to explore more. So it's always a pleasure. 
Awesome. And and so formal, Dr. Jones. That was, uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to start like that. If I went to school that long, you'd be calling me that too. <laughs> Deserve it, right? Awesome. <laughs> so let's, let's just kick it right off uh, from the beginning. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because you've got that, that a lot of stuff there in that bio. And I know you're into a lot of stuff. How you got into education and uh, what keeps that fire lit for you? So um, I got into education just, you know, as a, as a young, as a young student in high school, um, I was just interested in lots of different things and really found a passion for working with kids. And so I went to school and it just education, just, I never looked back after I went into um, my undergraduate studies. It's just been the thing I've always known I wanted to do. Never really thought about anything different. I was a fifth and sixth grade teacher. I've taught in some middle in a middle school setting. Um, and when I became a principal, when I had the opportunity, my first thought was, no way. I, why would I ever want to be a principal? I'm watching these people. Who would ever want to do that, right? So being the kind of person I am, I said, you know what? Maybe I don't have to do it the way I've always seen it. And I can do it a little differently. And that's kind of why I think you and I um, jive so well is because I think we are people who think outside the box and and really encourage each other and our staffs to really think differently. I just love, I love education for a lot of reasons. I love working with other people. So working with teachers and parents and kids, I love to lead by example. I also love the job because it's so hard. Um, I'm the type of person who doesn't like to do anything that's easy. And so I just, I love that about it. It's so challenging, but also so gratifying. I just, every day I look forward to going to work and I, I love what I do. So I, I think that's the goal for anyone is really just do do what you love to do. And I've been fortunate to be in a profession that I've always known that I want to be a part of and I'm still in that position. So it's just been, that's what keeps me going is just every day, not knowing what's going to come in front of me every day and facing challenges and then working with people to really problem solve those challenges it just really keeps me going every day. That's awesome. I love that you said that it's it's a tough job because just today, actually, I think I replied to a tweet that somebody put out about, you know, school leadership is, and then they put a blank and they said, fill in the blank. And one of the, I mean, I had a list of the answers, but one of the, one of the answers um, I put down was the hardest job you'll ever love. Yeah. Yeah. I say that a lot. I mean, we when I'll never forget my first my first month or two in the office of being a principal. I mean, it's kind of like a teacher. You, you, when you get hired as a principal, you know, you, I went through a master's program, but no one, nothing can ever prepare you for this job. So I remember sitting there my first day in my nice new office going, what do I do now? You know, <laughs> and the first couple of months were kind of defeating for me. In fact, I was questioning whether I wanted to stay in a principal role because I wasn't sure what to do. No one tells you who to be, how to be, how to, you know, who, what decisions are you going to make? And, you know, how do you make meaningful change in a school? And so I felt like I had to be a certain type of principal that I had only knew from ones I had had. And the minute I got connected and started getting on social media and Twitter and finding other people that kind of made me think differently, or at least show me that you don't have to do it the, the way you've seen it. That just, to me, opened up a whole world of difference. I finally became the principal I wanted to be and felt like I could be me in this role. 
Whereas the first couple of months, I felt like I was trying to be someone different. I had to be the disciplinarian. I had to sit in my office and look official. That's not who I am. And it won't ever be who I am. So just being the principal that I want to be has really made all the difference. And that that's another thing that keeps me going. I try not to be someone else, I try to be who I want to be as a leader and that feels a lot better. I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're not questioning yourself at every turn, Correct. that feels a lot better. Yeah. You know, what you said is just what you said there is so powerful that that I I really want to follow up on this. The whole idea of when you became a principal being a certain type of principal, the one that you were used to. Now, me personally, my my purpose, my my just cause for why I do what I do comes in part from my subpar experience as a student in high school, where I was very disillusioned with it. But what you said is so powerful because let's think about teachers now, right? And and how we get teachers to break that mold. Because I look at, we have teacher programs where they're taught that they teach a certain way. And, and granted, those are turning in the right direction. And then we have mentors. So teachers come in and they get a mentor. And then that mentor helps lead them through what they should be doing and things like that. And they get that same mold that oftentimes people like you and me are trying to to shake up a little bit and change. So what's that look like for a teacher? How do we get a teacher to break that mold of being that certain type of teacher and be who they are or who they could be? Yeah, that's a great question um, because I do think about that a lot. You were saying something about being a high school student and having a subpar experience. I was very similar, and I think it was part of the reason why I think the way I do and why I lead the way I do. I wonder a lot sometimes if I would be a different learner had I had a different experience in school. So just a a quick example, we're talking about our literacy program and curriculum in our district. One of the things I always think about was the program I went through as as a student. Now, I don't know about your listeners, but I was always told what to read. I was always told when to read it. And I've, I was never really um, engaged as a reader. And it didn't hit me until I was in college that I actually found my love of reading for reading's sake. And I think to myself a lot, I was a good student. I was 15th in my class, but you know what? I knew how to play the game. That's why. If you were to ask me if I was invested as a student, if I was passionate, I didn't become passionate about learning until I went to college and I found my passion. But I do think a lot, and you must think about this a lot too as a high school principal, how can we get kids to find their passions earlier and pursue their passions? Because I know it it was way too late for me and I'm fortunate that I did get to find my passion, but I do wonder about the kids who never got the chance even after high school. And, And that's a missed opportunity, quite honestly, that we haven't allowed the structure or the way school has operated hasn't allowed students to do that. Instead, we teach kids to play the game, to get the grades, to do the thing, and move on. And um, I just think about that a lot. So as a teacher, with my teachers, I do ask them to pursue their passions. I do ask them what makes them tick. I do ask them, what, when you come in every day, who, what do you want to be? Who, what brings you here? What drives you? Um, we do, we've done passion projects um, as a staff, as part of their evaluation, you know, like have a passion project. What, what do you want to achieve this year in your profession? Like what, you know, what's going to really stretch you? 
but also in a meaningful way. So what I wanted to say there was we try to, I try as much as I can to personalize the professional development my teachers get. Nothing drives me more crazy than all or one size fits all PD, because that's not what we would, would, would want to do with kids. We would never, we want to move away from that. So I try to do that with my staff and say, you know, all, all of my staff have different needs and different interests and passions. What do you want to learn about this year? What do you want to pursue? And, and what does that look like for you? So some of my staff will say in their passion project, you know, I want to read, I'm going to read these blogs. I'm going to listen to these podcasts. I'm going to connect with people on social media and like all these different ways that we can grow and learn. And then it's on, then we know that that staff member is going to be more interested and engaged in that. And, and I guess that does relate to me being a high school student because I just never felt like I was truly engaged or never asked, hey, Chris, what do you want to learn about? I was always kind of told what to learn. And I'm someone I know myself well enough that I don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> no, say it itself. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work for me. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's got to be something in my history that there's got to be some <laughs> I have, but I do not like to be told what to do. But at yeah. the same time, when I'm engaged, I'll I'll go above and beyond to do it. And that's kind of why I love this work is I, I do have the autonomy to do that. And I am really passionate about it. But in a different setting, I'm just not. And I think our teachers are that way, too, for the most part. But they they need to be given the freedom to do that and feel like they can be trusted to do that. And so I try to give them that and ask them, I really want to know who, when you come to my staff, when you join us, who are you? What are you going to bring to us that's unique and different? And how are you going to push us to the next level? Instead of when I interview or looking for new hires, I'm not trying to ask, I'm not trying to look for the person that's going to fit an already existing structure. I want someone that's going to come and bring something unique and, and be willing to share those things and speak out and give us their opinion on things that matter. And um, I really want those types of people because it makes us all better when we're able to do that. And, it, and it's too bad that video is not included with this, or maybe it's a good thing because people get dizzy from watching my head, not up and down. So every, well, I'm like bouncing up and down. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all excited talking about it. <laughs> I am, you know, the, the interesting thing that what you're talking about is where we were told and the game of school, which we use a lot, but I look at it like it's because we frame success and success comes only on what we judge to be successful. And we totally take out the person that has to do with the success. So that's, that's one thing I started thinking about when you said that. And the other thing about teachers getting excited when they find something like that. And I, I, I've got to talk to you more about the passion project thing, because when you talk about that and you talk about personalizing PD, we ran, I had teachers run an in-house conference for ourselves where they set up sessions and the teachers went to sessions taught by our teachers and things like that. And they loved the, the PD, but that whole idea, the teachers are the same as the students. If you get, give them something they're passionate about, let them work on something that's really engaging to them. They'll go miles beyond. And then I think about, that makes me think about if I'm a teacher in a classroom or, or a leader, even if I'm a principal, and I'm sitting there saying, God, I can't wait till quitting time. Or, oh, geez, I have to do this and stay a little extra late. Do, do I really like what I'm doing or, or love what I'm doing to the level that I need to? And am, am I in a place mentally to be able to notice that or say that about myself? 
and reflect on it. And then, I mean, that's right. That's the low tier stuff. The high tier would be, then do I have the ability to act on that? Which, you know, then comes into leadership and stuff, but that's, that's all great stuff. Those, the, the passion project tied into evaluation that you're saying. Yeah. What's that look like? Uh, so we've, it's been a couple of years since we've done it, but there was a year where we, we were really digging deep into personalized learning. And I was really into, um, different types of professional development. So really out of the box kind of stuff. And at the time I was thinking, you know, how could we do again, moving away from this lockstep checkbox system, I was really feeling stuck with the evaluation process. I was feeling like it's primarily compulsory. We're doing it to comply, which we have to, that's our jobs. But when I'm doing something like that, I'm not putting passion into it. My teachers are, it just feels like we're doing things to do them because someone says we have to. And I don't, I don't love, I don't, I I will catch myself avoiding those things or just, you know, the time goes by so slow when you're trying to fill out these reports. And I was just thinking like, is there a way in which we could ignite some energy into this? And so I thought, well, let's try this passion project. And I asked teachers at the time, I think it was at a staff meeting. I kind of said to them, like, what, what drives you, you know, like what brings you in the doors every day, really thinking about who you are, why did you get into this field? Like that question you asked me, like, what, what, you know, what gets you going every day when you come in? Who are you as a, as an educator? So, and then really talking to my staff about where are your strengths and what are those things you feel like, oh, right now I really want to get better at this. And here's why. So we had lots of conversations and then I had them design the success criteria. So like envision in June, what do you want to look back and say you accomplished? What was really awesome was I then gave them any time available, they could work on their passion project. So it wasn't Chris. I, I stopped having staff meetings because most things we were doing in staff meetings, I could do an email and they had that time and every professional development day. I mean, every now and then there's a place for a one size fits all thing if everyone needs it, but more times than not, a lot of your staff are sitting there going, this doesn't apply to me. So it really helped engage all my staff, especially the ones who we don't typically think about. I think we all know who they are, the specialists, the nurses, the guidance counselors. We, we design PD for everyone um, or for primarily the teachers, but then we invite everyone else in because we haven't thought about those other people. Then we wonder why they're disengaged because again, nothing applies to them. And I just thought that was a misstep for us. We, I have some really talented people that are not classroom teachers and it's not, it wasn't fair that they weren't getting the same professional development opportunities, but it didn't mean necessarily that I had to plan more for them. I changed the structure. So it, kind of encompassed everyone. And it didn't mean I had to do more work. It just mean I had to make the setting so that everyone could engage. And, and I think you know this, Chris, you want to make meaningful change in your school, you do something like that. That's where you see it. Um, it doesn't come through the principal making statements or writing emails saying, everyone, you need to do this. Change happens when a teacher says, hey, I want to try flexible seating. And you say, cool, let's do it. Let's try it. What do you need? And then all of a sudden, you see other classrooms start to do it. Not because I said I endorsed it, but because I let that teacher just try it. 
Right. Most right. of the change that's happened in my district comes from teachers. Doesn't come from me. It's it's that environment that I create where it's okay to try those things. Perfectly said. The environment you create to let them try those things, and you know, just those listening just got a masterclass on how to rework PD um, and change the structure and try instead of trying to stuff people into a structure. One of the things it it makes me think that happened at my school is the deskless classroom. So you talk about flexible seating. I had one of my world language teachers say, you know what? I'm done with desks. They moved to a proficiency-based model of world language. So you're not sitting there conjugating verbs and things like that. But they're more based on discussion and you being able to get dropped off in in a country and survive, basically. And so she got rid of desks. And she does uh, game-based assessments and things like that. She has some desks around the edge for if they need to sit down, but she got clipboards. You go into the classroom, the kids are standing there talking to each other. They're doing all this stuff. And then the teacher across the halls did it, did more game stuff, and then started doing the deskless classroom. The brand new teacher that we hired tried it and didn't really work. She jumped in the deep end of the pool, both feet first. Didn't really work and pulled back a little bit. Well, now she's got half seating half standing. So, okay, that's, that's mm-hmm. perfect. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, what you're saying, there's a lot to it. I, you know, a lot about what you're talking about has to do with environment and structure and things like that. I want to ask you more about that when we get, and, and how school, how you think school should look for teachers and students um, according to this vision that you have of schools as we move into, I hate people that say 21st century learning. I would hope so. We're 22 years into the 21st century. <laughs> but, but, but I want to I take a break first because I think that's going to be a longer conversation. So I just want to stop for a couple seconds for a sponsor break. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders, Better Schools Mastermind. The Mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the Mastermind. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, we're back with Chris. And, you know, when we left, we're talking a lot about structures and how we, how we do that and how we support teachers in taking that step and get them engaged and empower them to take those chances and things like that. And, you know, Chris, you talk a lot about a, a vision of what you want school to look like based on, you know, your high school experience and not being engaged, being told what to do. You mentioned earlier about with teachers, you use self-designed assessments. How, how much of that do we see in classrooms where the teachers say, we want you to learn this, design your own assessment for it to show me um, that you're doing that. So 
in that big picture, your whole vision, why don't we talk a little bit about what, what you think school should look like for teachers and students? So it's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah, you're welcome. Dab at it. Yeah. You know, I would love us to, I was really hopeful, you know, as the pandemic kind of hit us that, you know, I know a lot, there was a lot of fear and anxiety and you and I had talked earlier about how people as crazy as us actually were thinking, wow, this is our opportunity, right? So for a long time, I think a lot of us have felt stuck in this system of compliance and measurement and uh, accountability and all those things. And um, not that I don't think accountability is bad. Actually, I, I really think accountability is important in a school, but accountable to each other and accountability to our the humans in front of us every day to make sure we're doing the right things. Um, but I guess if I were to think about the school of the future, what we're kind of aiming for, it's really to look at every child that walks in our door and know that they are special and that they're important and that they're valued in our schools. And I would love us to get to a place where we're engaging them in meaningful learning opportunities where they're learning for learning's sake, you know? And I know, and, and, and when I say learning for learning's sake, I'm not just saying academic learning. I'm saying learning about themselves, learning how to interact with one another, learning how to cope with their emotions. So, you know, really thinking about throughout the grades, you know, how are we really nurturing that learner and also getting them to understand who they are as learners and pursue learning that's meaningful. And I'm not saying that's easy and I'm not saying it's simple to do, but I don't think it's unrealistic or impossible to have that as a vision that we want to strive towards and then engage our school to say, you know, what are we trying to achieve here? Because the other thing I think a lot about is this one size fits all system that we're in, you know, what it does sometimes is it, it encourages all schools, no matter what they're setting their where they are, what their um, population is demographics to achieve the same thing as the school, you know, 50 miles away. And it takes away the principal and the teacher's autonomy to say, we know a lot about our community we're working and partnering with our community and this is what they want for their kids. And we really want to nurture them as a community and, you know, that village <laughs> <laughs> mantra. And, you know, I think over the last few years, we've all felt like that, that the driver has not been that it's been other things. And I wish we, or I hope that we get back to a place of, of really thinking about our, kids and staff as human beings and thinking about who are the, what are the qualities of those human beings that we want to produce and nurture in our schools so that when they leave us, whether that's an elementary school or high school, what does that, what does that look like? What are the skills, the abilities, the mindsets? Because we want them to be contributing members of our society, of our community. And every community is different. So therefore every student who leaves our community, we want to have these skills so that they stay in our community and contribute and are positive. And so I really think it's thinking more locally and thinking more personally with every kid that walks in and, and their families too, because I, I think sometimes we leave the, not intentionally, but we forget 
that parents as partners are such a, such a meaningful thing and we can't do anything without them. So I know that's a very vague answer, but I guess my, the summary of that is really thinking about every, every kid knowing that they're important and really nurturing who they are as people. The answer was perfect. And if you're worried about vague, that's what I'm here for. Because <laughs> it, it, it brought up a couple of things. I mean, first, you know, loud and clear, local and personal, just to, just to summarize that. But, you know, you talk about, it's all about being seen and being known and being heard. And, you know, oftentimes that's tough, especially in, in the compliance piece. You know, we had Ed Reform in 93, right, eons ago where we gave local control to schools that, you know, the, the thinking behind that is, is pretty smart. The idea that communities should be able to decide for themselves or have the leaders of the school decide what works best for the community and the students in the community. I don't know where we went, where we went wrong with that because it, it almost becomes a control issue, right? And, and keeping leaders from empowering their staffs. So in a world like that, where you have that compliance driven, no, we are doing one size fits all. As a leader, how do you go about making your teachers see the value in it or feel heard or feel seen so that they're empowered to actually work on that with students? Because we talk about building relationships and this is more so at the high school, I guess, but you talk about building relationships and man, we have teachers that do a phenomenal job of building relationships. And then they talk to another teacher who says, but I'm responsible for that MCAS score. And I, you know, like my AP scores, I tell my AP teachers, I want the kids learning. I'm not going to judge you based on your scores. Okay, that's nice to say about MCAS, but when it comes down to it, they got to pass MCAS. Mm-hmm. So what steps can a leader take to, to do that for their staff? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a great question. Because, I, you know, when you say valued and seen, I guess I always approach things with this, like, this mo- this idea that, if I model and do things for teachers, teachers are going to model and do those things for kids. So um, as much as our kids, we want them to be seen, valued, heard. So do adults. And so I always think a lot about what can I do as a leader in a school to make sure that all of my teachers feel valued, seen, heard, respected, encouraged. And so you know, you're always going to have the compliance stuff. You're, that will, you know, may never go away. Um, but we don't spend a lot of time on it. Um, and not that we don't recognize that there's things we have to do because we have to do them. But I always, or at least I try to make sure that if there are things that need to be done, I'm doing it with them and making time for them. So I'm not, I try to be very mindful of how much I put on my staff. I also try them to if it's a if it's something that is being passed down or handed to us and you know just something we have to do i try to explain the reasoning or why we're doing it and what how it's going to impact our school and quite honestly there are some things where i've said we're either not doing it or we're not making time for it because honestly uh, part of our job as a principal is to kind of shield our, we can't do everything in, that we're asked to do. It's not possible. And so uh, sometimes I have to play the role of the gatekeeper and um, really make sure that the things we're doing, I see as valuable. And if they're not, I, we have to figure out a way to 
hate to use the word work around it, but sometimes, you know, I have to kind of get a little creative with how yeah. things get done. <laughs> I mean, I like the, the edit val process was an example of something oh. can take a process that can be very dry and compulsory, but you can try to make it into something that also is seen by staff as something that's important. So I try to do that a lot. I try to keep the compliance, the strictly compliant stuff out of their hair. Sometimes it means I have to do it for them. And that's just something I'll do because I can't, I don't want their time bogged down and things like that. So there are times where I do it for them just to, just to get it done because I'd rather them spending the time where it matters working with kids and planning meaningful lessons. So yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's really a matter of just um, picking and choosing the things that you think are important. And if they're not important, either shielding them or doing them, keeping them out of your staff's, out of their hair, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, uh, and, and, you know, being creative in how you approach things. Yeah. You know, I, quite often, if you can kill two birds with one stone, you know, go for that. Or if you could kill 50 of the things that the state asked for. Right. Or like make a connection to something you're already doing. Like, Hey, we know we have to do this, but here's how it's going to help us. I think it like, if any, like anything, if teachers see the value in it, they're going to more likely do it. If they see you as the principal, you know, if you're endorsing something, they're more likely to buy into it. And if, but if I can't endorse it or buy into it, I'm certainly not going to sell that to my teachers because they're going to know that right away. So I just try not to do those things. And, you know, it works most of the time, I would say. Yeah, I, you know, Chris, you, you said that perfectly. And I, I would go along with the idea that, you know, the, the creativity and doing what you can to protect your teachers, I think it builds on even a bigger topic of helping teachers. When you, when you talk about supporting teachers, one of the best things I find you can do is help them build boundaries and build their own personal boundaries. Because, Look, education is a thing that if you're passionate about it, just the way it's designed, it will take everything you have to give and then take more. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll always take more. So, but like I said, I, I'd like to touch on that with you yeah. a little more, but I think I think we've gone long enough for this episode. So I, we're going to come back for a second episode and do uh, do part two. And uh, most definitely, you know, we'll finish up with that. And then I've got to ask you those two questions that I ask everybody at the end of every podcast. So I, I don't want to cut the listener short with the first episode, but I'll see you in episode two. All right. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. 
Every child deserves a team. And when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.